Hey everyone, welcome to Go Bold. This is our first episode of 2023, so to our loyal listeners, welcome back. And to our new listeners, welcome. We hope you'll enjoy the wide array of topics and voices that we'll share from senior leaders and folks who are serving or have served with allied forces around the world. Before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, Cubic Mission and Performance Solutions. Cubic is an awesome company that trains customers worldwide to improve their effectiveness and operational readiness. Warfighters from the United States, as well as allied partners like the United Kingdom and others, rely on Cubic to prepare them to excel in multi-domain operations more effectively and with less risk. Cubic values our goal in sharing stories from warfighters from around the world. And in doing so, we are doing our best to preserve history with first-hand accounts. We are proud to have Cubic as a teammate for this podcast. To learn more about them, please visit cubic.com. So today's guest is a person who I have great respect for. I first spoke with Major Andrew Fox when he was serving with the British Army as an airborne infantry officer. He has served three combat tours in Afghanistan and is a strong advocate for mental health. Our episode today was recorded when Major Fox was still in uniform, and it focuses on a combat event that affected him with PTSD. It's a story which I think is important to share, but more importantly, Major Fox shares it because he hopes his own journey will help others, and that is just one of the reasons why I truly respect him. For the active or retired service members who are listening and feel that you need some help or support, I'll list some contact numbers in the show notes, so please reference those, and please remember that there is no shame in asking for help. These resources are here for you. So, with that said, let's roll the music. Hey everyone, welcome to Go Bold. My name is Jody Atariwala, and I'm your host. In my work as a global aerospace and defense journalist and consultant, I come in contact with interesting and inspiring people all over the world. Today, it's my privilege to introduce you to one of those people who is serving with the British Army, Major Andrew Fox. I connected with Major Fox after seeing a message that he shared at Christmas. That message really hit me because it spoke to memories that he had of a traumatic experience years prior while serving in Afghanistan. That's certainly enough in its own right, but what struck me even more was that experience also concerned a colleague who wasn't even in his own army. It was a colleague in the Afghan National Army, and to me that speaks about the trust developed between allies, and even more so the friendships and camaraderie which develops as well. So, it is my privilege to introduce Major Andrew Fox, who's on the line from England. Major Fox, thank you very much for joining us. No, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, it, it was a, a great example of the internet bringing people together. I was I was really uh, really interested to get your message, and I'm um, really pleased to be able to uh, to take part. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So, you know, as I shared in in the introduction, 
you know, your message really kind of hit home to me. It was something that I didn't anticipate to see. And regardless of whether it was Christmas time or not, it just speaks to the fact that allies have been in combat. And there's certainly experiences, whether you're actually serving in combat or seeing combat or just deploying, you know, there's the stresses of being away from home. All of those things, I'm sure, take a toll. And I dare say, now I've never served, so, you know, far be it for me to, to speak as though I had, but I dare say there's probably a juxtaposition between being a service member and a warfighter and having that as a part of your being. And then the other aspect of being vulnerable or recognizing that you might need to ask somebody for help. And maybe that's not what a warfighter thinks that they should, you know, maybe they think they need to handle it all. Um, I don't know if that's, that's true, but it was just something I was pondering before our chat. Yeah, I think that's a common a common kind of way some people approach it. And that's one of the things I've tried to do on my Twitter account by being quite open about the fact that, you know, I've needed to to, to speak to people since I've got back from Afghanistan. I did, I did three tours there. Um, is that actually, you know, it's just another dimension of, of looking after yourself because we all go to the gym, you know, we all go and do physical, you know, hard, arduous field training exercises, you know, we all, we all make sure that our, our minds and our bodies are in, in good condition. And say, for example, you go for a run and you sprain your ankle. You're, you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to get it fixed and get it treated. Uh, and it's the same mentally. If, if you, you know, if, if you're perhaps not where you should be because you've been through experiences that have, have been traumatic at the time, then you should go to the doctor and, and get the same treatment for your brain as you, as you would for any other part of your body because every soldier needs to be in in peak condition to deploy and if you're mentally struggling with whatever the issue might be then you're not in peak condition um and so you owe it not only to yourself but also to your teammates left and right of you to make sure that you're at the top of your game absolutely and do you find that there's you know you can only speak to your own experience in in the british army but is there any preparation perhaps there is more so now than ever before but is there preparation and recognition um pre-deployment or you know just in normal training for for people to know that there are resources available to them uh, when it comes to mental health and well-being i, I can speak for a, a british army perspective on this one because i've not done enough with with you know our colleague nations to see how they conduct themselves when they're pre-deploying but even compared to how it was when i joined 16 years ago the, the british army is so much more alive to this than than it ever has been before. You know, I read something the other day again on Twitter about bomber crews in World War Two and the Royal Air Force. who had, you know, it literally if just under fifty percent survival rate. You know, it was it was a one in two chance every time they got in their planes, and that took a huge mental toll on them. And the way the RAF got around that was by creating an enormous stigma around around mental illness. They, you know, they called it lack of moral fiber, and they'd take people's wings off them and put them on bin duties and make them carry the trash and all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas when I joined, there was a limited awareness. But nowadays, even in basic infantry training uh, up at our training center in, in North Yorkshire, um, the, the recruits right from day one now do mental resilience training. So they, they work on goal setting and they get taught how their brains work. And it's all based on sports psychology and, you know, the stresses and the tensions that you can be placed under at certain times and which part of your brain it is that's actually making you feel 
negative about it. Um, and then we've also, you know, for serving soldiers who've been away, uh, who do have issues, there's, there's any number of not only internal support through the army mental health teams, uh, but also from the charitable sector as well. So it, it's not always easy to access and it's not always easy to get someone to admit that they need help. But there, there, there are so many more routes out there now than there were when I, even, even from when I joined. I'm so glad to hear that. I think that's, um, you know, it's certainly a recognition that there's more more facets to to the military trade than than just the combat side or, or you know, support. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to add as well that, you know, I think in the UK anyway, you know, the vast, vast majority of veterans aren't, you know, as the media like to portray us as, as mad, bad and sad. Um, you know, the, the military service gives people huge confidence it gives them huge skill sets that they would never have um particularly you know people who've never had a the, the best education that perhaps they could have had the army will get them degrees the army will get them professional qualifications you know so there are all these huge benefits to joining um uh, but for those that very small percentage who, who do come away uh, and need assistance it's there that's that's the really important message i think that's excellent and and i hope that's indicative of of uh of uh, allied nations around the world. I, I certainly can, can attest from the Canadian side that, you know, mental health is uh, recognized. And I know that there are resources available to uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen in, in Canada. And um, clearly it's, uh, it's recognized around the world. And, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think we're getting there. And I think there's not really been a period in modern history when we've been in prolonged contact for so long. Because, you know, even World War Two was only six years. And yet, you know, as you said, we were at over 20 from, you know, what the Americans call the global war on, on terror. You know, there are, there are kids who who were born and are now adults who've never known anything but their, their country's troops being deployed into war zones. So, you know, that's a long, long period. And, and I think we're alive to that. I mean, the New Zealanders, I don't know if you've seen their, their assets, but they've produced a, a kind of mind and body handbook for their soldiers which goes into enormous detail it's, it's a fantastic resource so you know all our allies that, that i'm aware of you know as you as you mentioned we're definitely taking strides that way that's great to hear and and perhaps those handbooks uh, i don't know if they're available online but for those people that are listening that maybe still feel that hesitancy to reach out if that is online i think that would be an excellent resource to flip through yeah i think it is actually the new zealand one so in thinking about your message, perhaps you could paint the picture of how do those emotions came about, and perhaps you could just share with our listeners what happened during that time. And then I'd like to kind of ask, when you realized that you needed some help in, in just dealing with what you experienced? So I was on my third tour of Afghanistan in 2009, 2010, uh, and I was actually attached to an American unit uh, which was working all around the south of Afghanistan, so mainly Helmand and uh, Kandahar provinces. Um, and I was the, the one token Brit working with them. And we were small teams working with uh, Afghan National Army commando companies. Um, and the kind of stuff we were doing was was kind of night missions and, and raids and all that kind of stuff on, on Taliban, relatively high-value targets. Uh, and the incident that I mentioned in my tweet essentially uh one of our afghans was shot through the thigh uh and uh, it unfortunately pierced his femoral artery um i was the nearest man to him so did, did what i could to try and stem the blood flow but you know when it's a, a femoral artery bleed that's quite high that's 
you tend to uh, you tend to have a very low chance of survival. And unfortunately, this poor uh, Afghan soldier didn't uh, didn't make it alive to the to the helicopter, which is you know which is which is pretty tough for everyone concerned. Because you know you, you train with these guys, as you mentioned, you become very fond of one another. And even though you know they a lot of them didn't speak English, there was that natural language of, of kind of hand signals in soldiering that you can make things very clear to yourself. And so. I uh, on it was New Year's Eve actually. I I, I sort of had a realization that it was, uh, and what I really thought about was that poor guy's family. Um, because you know I've, I've lost other friends. So, you know my generation were all in sort of tactical roles as we commissioned uh, and went into the field army. So you know there have been plenty of colleagues and friends who've, who've not made it back. And so sure, uh, you know I, I've seen how British families have been devastated and i'm sure it was absolutely the same for this this poor afghan's family when his his mother or father or wife got told the news what had happened to him and so really that's where my mind was on new year's eve it was it was very much with that poor family and uh and you know how how they were getting on undoubtedly yeah and how did you find that you know certainly it affected you and and the memory of it um in the years intervening, did you feel um, times where you needed to reach out, and did you feel safe to reach out? Yeah, I have, and you know, I've I've dealt with, I've had a couple of courses of treatment. One was back in twenty thirteen, um, and the army, the army's been very good both times. Uh, but the, I think it's really important to note that I've had really good support from my chain of command on both occasions. So, you know, I was a pretty junior captain first time I, I kind of realized that 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 things weren't quite right and I got treatment the first time mm-hmm. I had huge support and it hasn't held me back in my career at all from that point onwards the the jobs I've had have, have been exactly the ones I always wanted to go to so you know obviously and obviously you move around a little bit but mm-hmm. I've been to training establishments at, you know, at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst twice as an instructor um, I've done two two company commands in my own re- in the parachute regiment with my own, my own cat badge um, in a, in a, I'm now in a staff job that's that's challenging and interesting. But the, you know, the, the fact is that every time I've needed support and help, and I've put my hand up to say that I needed it, the army's been there to support me, and my chain of command supported me. And and I think, you know, that's just testimony to how far we've come as an organisation and how how much better we are now these these days at looking after our people. Absolutely, and I th- I think one of the things that might help listeners is that PTSD or that stress um, can manifest in many different ways. You know, I know people that have been depressed. I know people that have started to drink. Um, How did it manifest in you? And what are some signs that you could perhaps share with listeners where they might not be aware that they might actually be suffering from some post-traumatic stress? Well, yeah, as you say, there's a there's a wide variety of, of symptoms, and, and clearly, I'm only qualified to talk about my own personal experience, and I, you know, of course. rather than from a, a, med- a medical perspective. Right. Um, but for me, there were there were little things like uh, I was based at Colchester with the 16 Air Assault Brigade in the in the UK. That there are quite a lot of, of the Chinook helicopters in and out. Uh, my memories of those helicopters were quite linked to casualty evacuation in Afghanistan so I'd, I'd really struggle to sleep if if I'd had a Chinook go over that night mm-hmm. um, I found myself losing my temper a little bit more easily than I, than I would have done in the past um, 
certainly, I think perhaps there was a little bit of alcohol dependency at, at various times. How else, you know, and, and then perhaps just I, I saw a really good comment someone said the other day that what these experiences can do is they can drain you of joy a little bit. You almost feel emotionally a little bit dead, and happiness is kind of a, almost like a forgotten emotion. Um, whereas when you're back up and normal and you're back to yourself again, you suddenly start to enjoy the things you always used to enjoy. Whereas, um, you know, when you're in a high, a high levels of anxiety and high levels of, of the depression that tends to go hand in hand with that, you know, life life can be a little bit grey uh, and a little bit kind of flavourless, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, when you're you know when you're yourself, you know when you're back to yourself because you're you're laughing and smiling again. And I think perhaps, hopefully, a few of your listeners, if, if they do suffer from that kind of thing that hopefully that might ring a bell for them too because i'd not heard it explained that way before but it made perfect sense to me you know i i think that that's part of the complexity of post-traumatic stress is that everybody looks at it in a different way and everybody's experience rightfully so is their experience and what might be traumatic for one person might not be for another but each is equally valid and I think hearing experiences like yours will certainly help people, even if it just gives them a little bit of a thought to go, you know what, maybe I was depressed. And I think just the act of talking and sharing experiences, whether it's with a professional or not, I th- I'm certain that that would help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I've, you know, I, my Twitter account's got a slightly unusually large amount of followers for a, for a military account, and that's because... Um, one of our major TV channels did a documentary on um, on my company when I was a company commander, uh, and so the sort of platform got launched off that. And I decided that I was going to make the most of that small profile I've got to to speak about this because, you know, I'm a major. I, I, I've got a leadership role in the army, and I felt that it was beholden on me to to, to help if I could, um, because. You know, yeah, plenty of people have been through this. I know I'm not on my own here at all. I know I know stacks of guys who've who've had treatment in one way or another, but what they don't have is the platform that you know I've been very lucky to gain. So I've, I've you know I've done a couple of that, but it's bits of national media, and and I've I've always pushed the line that it's okay to talk. And you know, if you look at me, I'm a, I'm a big guy, I'm six foot tall. You know, I'm, I've got a big shaved head, and I'm in the airborne infantry of the British Army. So. You know, if, if I can step up and, and say that I need help, then then so should anyone else be able to. Um, and I, that's that's a message I've constantly pushed, and I've, it's it's been so it's been so wonderful to get feedback through direct messages and, and stuff from people. I've had countless numbers of people tell me that just by speaking out that they've been inspired to to get help, and and really that's why I keep pushing the message because if if you know if only one person can. You know, recognize that they're in a dark place or recognize that they're struggling and be inspired to know that it's okay to talk, then, then I've done my job, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, Major, you inspired me to create this podcast and, and to do this particular episode because, like I said, when I saw your message, it resonated with me and I wasn't in combat. But I'm certain that that the holiday periods are are perhaps somewhat more difficult than others. But, you know, this is a 365-day-a-year, 24-hour-a-day situation that, that people are dealing with. And so I hope that, that this will help someone. If it helps one person, you know, we've done our job. But I hope it helps many. 
I guess one of the things I'd like to ask now is, you know, what what could be done that isn't being done? You mentioned that you've done a lot of interviews now and, and that you've spoken to other colleagues. What what could help? Is there any is there any kind of insight that you have there? Yeah, I, I think from our side of the fence, it's about making sure that people understand that if they do want to ask for help, exactly what the route to do that is. Because I think it's potentially a good thing, potentially a bad thing, that there are so many different resources out there. So there's loads of charities. Um, and within our army units, there'll always be a padre, there'll always be a welfare officer, there'll normally be a medical officer as well. Um, as well as all these phone numbers, as well as all these charities. And it's about very clearly communicating to people what their options are. Because if you're a busy private soldier in a you know frontline battalion, you're going to wake up in the morning, your day is going to be busy all day. You know, you'll be doing whatever your sergeant's telling you that you've got to be doing that day. You might not have the opportunity to just stop and take a breath and think about which option you're going to take if you're not feeling happy on that particular day about about where your head's taking you. So uh, I think if we can just keep making sure that people know what their options are, that's that's where you really get the wins because if you overload people with information, then perhaps it might put them off talking rather than encourage them to do so. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a very fair statement. I agree that I think that, you know, if there's too much, somebody could probably be overloaded and perhaps it's just seeking a friend at first or reaching out to just like you said, there's Padres always available. There are so many people that you could reach out to in theory, if you, if you just perhaps open your scope a bit wider Mm -hmm. and look at the help that's available. Yeah. And actually, uh, there's a sort of corollary to the story uh, of that tweet that started this whole thing is that the very next morning um, after that, a friend of mine came knocking on my front door to make sure that I was doing okay uh, because he'd seen it and he just wanted to make, he lives, you know, just the street over and he just wanted to make sure that I was doing, doing good. Uh, and, and that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's looking after your friends and looking after your mates. And so it's not only identifying it in yourself, it's maybe a hus- husband or a wife recognizing that their partner is perhaps not, not the person they, they, they originally were, you know, they're, they're, they're taking a slide or they've taken a, a backward step in how they, how they feel mentally. And, and if a partner or a friend can identify that, then, then they know that they can pass it up the chain or speak to someone without there being any comebacks. And it's only, it's only ever a good thing if someone does that, you know, break that stigma uh, of mental health to say that it is okay. And it's, you know, you're not doing anything bad by putting your hand up or some, on, on your own behalf or on somebody else's behalf. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do and a positive thing to do. And there are loads of different ways you can do it. I, I'm so glad that your friend reached out to you. I think that's a fantastic example. And I'm also very encouraged by the example that, that you give. And I'm very pleased to hear that your chain of command has been supportive, if you, as you've mentioned, because I would imagine that that has been one of the things, you know, your, your example of the RAF earlier is is a, a classic perhaps you know uh maybe in the uk context you know people would would maybe think about that but reaching out for help does not mean it's it's a detriment to your career no it hasn't been for me at all you know i've i've, I've honestly had the most fantastic army career it's, it's coming to an end now because i'm, I'm at a place where i've i've got no more uh no more boxes i want to tick in the army i'm, I'm on a fresh challenge but i've got nothing but you know, really positive memories of my career as a whole and the job, the different jobs I've done and the experiences I've had have been stunning. 
and, and you know, my boss is a, a brigadier general. You know, he's he's a busy man, and he makes time for me constantly. When I was a company commander, I that's the example I tried to follow. I, you know, I thought it set a great example. And, and yeah, I mean, I think we we preach leadership pretty hard in the British Army, and I'd like to think that the bosses, you know, who've looked after me have, have shown really great examples of that. I'm thankful that reaching out did not affect your career, and that your superiors recognize that that reaching out is not is not a bad thing it's actually healthy and perhaps actually speaks to i would imagine perhaps a very well-rounded soldier or airman or sailor uh, if you will yeah i think so my, you know my the, the two instances where i've needed to ask for help both, both times my bosses have been fantastic so the current one is a, a brigadier general um, you know, clearly a, a very busy man, and yet he makes the time to check in on me, see how I'm doing. He's he's supported me. He's not taken my job away from me. He's he's given me a pretty challenging planning task to, to complete, um, and he, he's shown that he's got confidence in me to carry on doing the job. You know, whilst whilst I get treatments. Uh, likewise, the first time I, I've had it again, I was, I was equally well looked after, and you know that's that's an example I've always tried to take in through my army career is, is that that approach that compassionate approach to looking after soldiers and uh, i think that's probably how you get the best out of people by making them feel cared for and looked after and and you know part of something bigger than them that will look after them if they need it um if you told if you told me the, the career i was going to have on the day i joined the army then i i, I wouldn't believe you because I've, I've done so many fantastic and interesting things i've parachuted in a number of different countries i've been on you know four or five different con- continents I've done four operational tours and a number of other trips away, and it's just been absolutely superb. It's just, it's an incredible career I've had. I'm really, really lucky, and it's not been negatively impacted at all by the fact that I've needed some mental health treatment. It, it just hasn't. So, you know, that's that's the message I would always push out: that if you're a leader, look after your people, and if you're someone who's being led and needs that assistance, then then ask for it. I I think it. You couldn't have said it any better than that. I think that wraps it up very succinctly. What's next for you now? And um, do you plan to continue to uh, be an advocate for for mental health? Yeah, well, my, my current ambition is to, to join the police, actually. Um, I'm looking at joining the Metropolitan Police in London uh, because, you know, I believe services service is what motivates me. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in earning huge amounts of money i just want to i just want to make a difference and, and the police seems to be a very natural progression um and, and a, a way that i could keep doing a job that gets me out of bed in the morning um as to what the police's social media policy is i don't know um i need to investigate that slightly more but I've, you know for as long as i can i'm going to keep encouraging people to ask for help and uh keep trying to you know set that positive example to major andrew frox um i thank you for the time sir I'm thankful for the service that you've done over the past years of your career. I wish you the greatest of success in your next career. And I hope that this podcast helps people. And if there's anything that we can do, please uh, feel free to reach out to us. If anyone has any questions, if looking for resources, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll do our best to help. And, um, Major Fox, thank you again for your time, sir. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the very best for your future. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you, sir. 
And thank you again to Cubic for their kind support of Go Bold. The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are solely those of the participants. This podcast is copyright and all rights are reserved. No portion may be reproduced or used in any manner without the express written permission of the publisher who can be reached at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. The music on this podcast is Parasail by Silent Partner.